Hey, Calvary family, this is Pastor Michael Grove on the Bible Reading app. This is the reading for Sunday, February the 19th, and we are starting one of the Gospels today. So I'm so excited for that as we jump into the book of John. If you can and you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open that up, read along as I read. But if you're unable to, just listen and let God speak something over you as we read the scripture together today. So here we go, the book of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water 
was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. John chapter 2 On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who drew the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. 
What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brother and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from the Father, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, 
But the people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim, because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truth. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. This concludes the reading for today. Let me give you a few thoughts before we end our time together. So I have to be honest, this is where it starts to get really interesting for me, because I love just what happens in the Gospels and how it all comes together through Jesus. So as we read these things, I'm going to have lots of thoughts But so that I don't overwhelm you, I'm just going to give you a few of them. And then at the end, I'm going to give you some things that maybe you could look up also as we continue to study together. Who knows, maybe I'll record a few bonus episodes later that'll help you understand some of the things I bring up at the end. But here, let me give you a few quick thoughts. There are so many good things in just these three chapters that it's so hard to single out a quick thought. First off, you have this famous verse from John 1, verse 14, that says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Let me give you two quick thoughts about this verse. First, you have the word flesh. It's a pretty crude word when you look it up. It basically simplifies things down to the meat that hangs off the bones and blood of a living animal. This wasn't a pretty picture of the Son of God becoming a beautiful human being. This was the dichotomy between the living God and the broken flesh of humanity. But the next piece of the verse is key. It said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is the next piece of God's intent to bring us into his presence. You see, the word dwelling is from the Greek word skenao, which means to tabernacle or to make a dwelling among us. 
He was making a dwelling or a tabernacle right in the center of humanity. So let's go back. What was the purpose of the tabernacle? It was to bring people back into relationship with God again, which is the exact purpose of Jesus. Jesus was here to reconcile us back to God. He was taking the place of the tabernacle as they had known it through the wilderness. Okay, let me give you another quick thought. John said that he was simply here to testify about Jesus. It was his job to let people know about the one. Oh, the one that, by the way, he says he isn't even worthy to tie the sandals of his feet. So when his disciples followed Jesus and asked him where he's staying, Jesus simply says three words. I want you to keep these words close to you and remember them. He says, come and see. Then later, Philip tells Nathanael that he has found the one, the one that they have been waiting for. Hearing Philip say that this one is from Nazareth, Nathanael can't believe it. So Philip simply says the same three words. He says, come and see. You will hear this phrase a few times in the book of John. By the way, John's intent was to write a very relational gospel that shows the relationship of Jesus with mankind. So as people are confronted with the Messiah, they simply find others to come and see what they have seen also. Jesus started by inviting the disciples into his own life. And then they continued by inviting others to come and see as well. Get this. The Holy Son of God gave up his royal place at the right hand of the Father in order to become a chunk of fleshly meat. And he did it so that you would come and see just how much the Father loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And he has invited you to come and see what that looks like, so that you will invite others to come and join that journey. So let me ask you, have you taken the time to come and see what the Messiah is like? If so, have you invited someone else to come and see yet? Because we have been invited into this close relationship with the Son of God. And if he has changed your life, you should invite someone else to come and see what you have experienced as well. So, may you be alert today. May you truly come and see what the Messiah is like. And may it cause you to invite others to come and see as well. This is usually the part where I say that's all the time we have. And it is, but I want to give you some thoughts to maybe look up as well. Go and look these things up. John said, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. This is a present progressive term. What does it mean that the darkness has not overcome it? Which, by the way, is still how it's happening right now. Also, Jesus used the wash basins for ceremonial cleansing at the wedding at Cana. What does this signify, if anything? Why would he use jars for washing as he did his first symbolic miracle, oh, by the way, at a wedding of all places? When you get a chance, just kind of do some research and find out if there's anything in that that seems really significant. And then here's one last one. John 3.14 refers to Moses lifting up the snake in the wilderness. What is that about and how does it compare to the Son of Man? But for now, that's all the time we have together for today. I love you and God bless.